This week on Out Now with Internet Abe, we are talking Bill and Ted Face the Music. Something strange is afoot at the Circle of K. My head is spinning. It's the beginning of the end. The people freak out when I walk out there. So We are now recording. Out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hello. Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly. We dig into movies via mostly spoiler free review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 417. 417. Man, we're getting up there in age. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can feel it in my bones. Yeah, that's where you feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. My leg hurts. There's a storm coming. <laughs> and this week, 4417, speaking of age, we're talking Bill and Ted Face the Music, mm-hmm. the third chapter in what I call the Bill and Ted saga. Uh, it's uh, a long time coming, but it has finally happened, and that's what we're going to go over today. Uh, joining us to discuss Bill and Ted Face the Music, we have host of the Psych Show, the sci-fi psychologist at Brain Knows Better, expert on Netflix's The Mind Explained, and amateur at air guitar. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Ali Matu. What's up, dudes? <laughs> hey, bro. Oh, no, I actually don't use the word bro in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. Oh, man. Good riff on the guitar, dude. Thanks, dude. I've been, like, practicing a lot, dude. All right, I got to get a whole time travel back to 2020. Later, dude. See ya. Ollie, how how are you doing? Glad to have you back on the show. Oh, it's so it's so good to talk to you guys. It's it's been um it's been a long time. I think we were we were talking in the pre-show. I think it's been like 2 years. Yeah, a little over 2 Jeez. years. Yeah. Which is wild to me. You know what else is wild? I did not anticipate that the first new theatrical release I would be seeing in 2020 would be Bill and Ted face <laughs> in August. Um, so nothing that we are going to talk about today was ever something I ever thought we would be really talking about. So this is this is the this mystery, is a lot. The, the universe works in mysterious ways. Exactly, that really does. Exactly. Yeah. But oh yes, Ollie, very good to have you back on the show. And since you've been in between your your presence here you've you've blown up as far as like things i've seen you on in various locations like when you when you popped up on netflix and you're like the lead off of a trailer for some very very interesting uh, show like educational show i was like this is yeah. so cool Ali's on i think show. we both saw the trailer we're like is that dr ali <laughs> i got so many texts because because of that because of how they made the trailer and i'm like the, literally the first thing you see, and they heavily promoted that. So, um, like, folks I hadn't heard from in, like, 20 years were like, is this you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was like, a really yeah, cool Yeah, you should have dated me then, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, now the good thing is, like, um, the good thing uh, is that, uh, you know, that it hasn't gone to your head and that you're still, you know, uh, down to earth and doing shows like ours. Oh, man. Well, n- dude, it – um. In no way did it like, um, like the, I mean, the only thing it's changed is that uh, more people were kind of discovering some of the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. But um, 
No, it's not like I'm raking in that Netflix money or anything like that. None of that. They're they're going to ink you a special deal, uh, you know, coming in the next future. I can feel it. So. Well, we'll we'll see. if they do, I'll, uh, the first place I'll talk about it is right here. Well, yeah, yes. I mean, if the, if the Dr. Ali show suddenly gets picked up for Netflix, I'd be we'd be happy to be two scrappy podcasters you occasionally talk about <laughs> movies. Very scrappy. I, I, I Emphasize would, scrappy. Would, that will sell yeah. them even more on it. Scrappy, I think. exactly. <laughs> I kindly ask that if you get the Dr. Ali show, you grow a mustache and you start talking like in a southern accent, <laughs> just just to poke fun at another doctor that we all know. <laughs> Well, if it um if I ever do get the Dr. Ali show, um I wanna I wanna live my podcasting life like Ryan Johnson and just like only go on podcasts where like they were my buddies and we always oh, talked back well, in the days. Go. That's yeah. that's my goal. So I'll I'll, I'll always be here. I'll always, cool. you know, the only reason it's been two years is honestly my daughter. <laughs> it's yeah. not Netflix. Yeah. It's all it's all my daughter keeping me busy, but um yeah, she's uh, she's a lot older now, so this is this Classic is a good Classic blimmy it on your kids. That's called pulling a Mendelssohn. <laughs> <laughs> he's got three. Or is it four? That's three. a lot. He is, he's got three. He's the child, so like, you know, he, <laughs> there's four There's four of them. He's just... Mm. You know. <laughs> as far as these scrappy podcasters go, by the way, we we will switch places. I will play Abe, and Abe will play me. Like that's how we would do it on this. show. I mean, like, how do you know just... that that hasn't already happened? I mean, okay. we t- we try not to we try to keep the listeners on their toes when we do that. Exactly. <laughs> I live in Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, good, good to have you back on Ali. And, and, and yes, it's, it's very cool to, to, to see the various things. I mean, between, between all of us, I mean, you're, you're popping up on all these really cool series. I write for variety now, apparently, and Abe runs his own Island. So I mean, I do. Yeah. We're, 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 we're it, it was at a discount. Uh, I bought it from some guy named Dr. Moreau. Um, so a lot of equipment on there already, but again, very cheap. Okay. I, I would love to visit when when I'm allowed to. Yeah, no, please. I mean, like, aside from all, like, the weird stuff that I've been seeing at night uh, and people calling my name at night, it, it's totally fine. <laughs> all right. So with all that silliness aside, let's get to, let's get to some show notes. Um, first up, iTunes reviews and ratings. It is good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps pop us up on the old iTunes charts so more people can encounter the silliness on a daily basis. Uh, if you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now Out There in a Name, you can do just that. You can give us a, a star rating. That'd be very cool and even cooler be a little written review. Yeah, so much uh, so much so that I'd probably be, you know, jumping for joy. You wouldn't be able to see it, but I'd be doing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that got me. Um, let's see, new commentary track. We do one every month, and this past month, uh, the current month of August, or yeah, which will probably end by the time you hear this recording. Uh, but we did do one for the Enter the Dragon. That was a very fun commentary track. We had a lot oh, of fun. Nice. I've heard that it's, yeah, I've heard that it's very good. We've we've got into that. Uh, we delved into Bruce Lee's career and everything, and uh, yeah, so that's a that's a good one to check did out. Did you guys go into the conspiracies about uh, how he may have passed away? I think Brandon might have vaguely brought that up once, but we more just yeah. talked about the sadness of his legacy that he left behind. Completely. Uh, yeah. Which we'll get to again in just a second here, but also just to point mm. out, next month for September, we will be talking seven for our commentary track. These 25th, oh, the 25th anniversary of David Fincher's seven. Yeah, so uh, very I, I hope that you record it next to a train station, Aaron. <laughs> I'm going to record it from inside a cardboard box, Abe. It's going to be Oh, no. Oh, um, <laughs> What's in the box? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Um, so we were talking just about Legacy a little bit ago, and we want to get to something now that recently just occurred. I mean, this is Sunday. This occurred on that the Friday before this recording. Um, star Chadwick Boseman uh, passed away So after a four-year battle of colon cancer at uh, 43. And uh, th- that was certainly shocking news. We, you know, we talk about various you know deaths of celebrities every so often when it occurs because we just like to pay a bit of tribute here and there and uh so we obviously wanted to address chadwick boseman who we've you know we've talked about several times at this podcast uh 42 was his you know not his debut but certainly the film that kind of kicked up his uh, his cinematic presence and you know launched his kind of leading man career and since then we've talked about several films from get on up to the marvel films including black panther of course and even 21 Bridges, which I was so happy to kind of get into last year and have fun with, and I ended up having a lot of fun with the movie. I want to um, I want to read a text uh, that Professor Mike Dillon, friend of the show, sent to me. Um, he, he, he wrote, uh, in addition to being so profoundly sad, and my initial reaction was gratitude for you to having me on to talk about The Five Bloods, because I remember we got to talk, however briefly, about the powerful screen presence and iconic racial importance of Chadwick Boseman. Just wanted you to know. Um, and I, I think Thank that's, you, Professor Mike Dillon. yeah, and I, that, that was, that was a, it was a nice message to receive as far as, yeah, if we, the kind of what we were able to talk about when it came to him for, during that movie. But I, I want to, you know, let you guys speak as well, but, uh, yeah, it was, cer- it was certainly, you know, a shock to hear and, and something and, 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 and a loss as far as a kind of strong black leaders in the kind of film community and what have you go. But Aben, what do you have to say about uh, Chadwick Boseman? Yeah, I was. Uh, I think the term "profound" is is correct, and it's totally fine to keep using. I was pretty profoundly saddened by the passing of Chadwick Boseman, uh, so much so that I, I kind of went into a weird funk too. Um, and the only time that I can sort of remember this happening was uh, when Mac Miller died for me. Uh, so, like, I don't know any of these people, but it just seemed like they were very good and kind people. Um, and so the Chadwick Boseman passing was just um, incredibly sad. And I was mentioning this to a few friends. I've been reading uh, up on it and reading uh, others' tweets and Instagram posts, um, kind of just getting a, a sense of uh, who this person was. And all signs point to him being a pretty great dude. Um, and I, I want to remark that, you know, when you get um, a former president and a former president's wife, Barack and Michelle to comment about your life. I mean, what a life to have lived. Uh, so I was really sad and I still am really sad about it. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm ever really going to get over it because 43 is just so young, you know, like I, we're, we're quickly approaching that age ourselves kind of thing. So it's, it's wild. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I, I was incredibly uh, saddened by it and still am. Uh, it felt like a punch to the gut for me um, in a year where so much loss has occurred and so many unexpected things happened. There's just this felt like almost like I, I can't take another one of these, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially someone who has been um, such a optimistic, honorable presence in so many of our lives for for so many years, whether it's. Uh, 42 or um, uh, Black Panther or The Five Bloods, which I just recently watched a few months ago. Um, it, it, he's really been um, 
just such a such a wonderful warm um presence who who who's someone who speak to um to stuff that was going on and tried to push things forward um mm-hmm. the other thing that i'm i've been thinking a lot about in addition to everything um you both said is uh <laughs> so many times someone's struggle and their pain um it's invisible we don't see it we don't know it and none of us had any idea that um, Chadwick Boseman was was struggling in, in this way and that he continued to work so hard and to share um, share so much with us and give so much of himself uh, at a time when he was probably going through the most difficult stuff in his life. Um, I mean, what an amazing what is an amazing legacy and an amazing reminder too for us to be patient and compassionate with each other because we don't know what the other person's going through. Mm-hmm. And an emphasis on getting regular checkups for you know things that you just don't know what you can can, can encounter. I mean, yeah, he was right. Like, he died. He, I mean, four years, so he was diagnosed in his thirties um, with having colon cancer. I mean, so it's. A good, a good way to emphasize like it, it it is important to kind of keep up with your health obviously and make sure you're on the up and up all right and yeah. uh yeah um he will be missed but he certainly left behind a legacy however unfortunately short it might have been so it it's another one to kind of move on from but uh it's 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 something that's that's come and there and there we are so but yeah just wanted to throw some thoughts in there i'm glad we could all kind of speak up a little bit about chadwick boseman because i I know we all you know certainly like seeing him on screen and certainly like you said abe like he seemed like a very good person Um, yeah yeah all right so i want to transition here let's get get us back into the the scheme of things for the rest of the show where we are going to talk about bill and ted something more profoundly silly um, than anything else, but um, <laughs> before we before we get there, let's do our other segment here, where we talk about what we would have talked about were the world not to have changed in our post bloodshot era. Ali, around these parts, we refer to the time before coronavirus took hold and the time coronavirus like it took hold uh, immensely to take over theaters, as far as shutting them down, as the pre and post bloodshot era because. Vin Diesel's future Vin, Vin Diesel's future classic Bloodshot was one of the very last releases to get a wide stream a, a wide release in theaters before everything. Wait a minute, I've just come up with like a possible theory here. What if people in the future they time traveled to stop Vin Diesel from releasing Bloodshot? Would we have been safe from COVID? I don't oh, want man. to put the weight 12 on Twelve Monkeys. I don't want to put the weight on Vin Diesel's shoulders, mainly because mm-hmm. he's trying to help everyone else out. So I mean <laughs> I think we gotta get a phone booth and, and go and figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I just um my first job ever was working at the movie theater. It's probably also my favorite job. And just yesterday, I was uh, we were driving around because we were um, sick of being in, indoors. And um, uh, in Northern California, where I live now, it, there's been these fires. And so we haven't really been able to go outside. So we just went in our car and drove around. Um, and I drove by the old movie theater where I used to work and I showed my daughter and she's like, you work there? Why? <laughs> I'm like, it's, awesome. it's my favorite job. Uh, so she wasn't really feeling it. But all the posters were for Bloodshot. 
uh, and it was quite huh. dystopian and weird <laughs> to see that as like the movie that's play- now playing, and all the uh, coming attractions are movies that never came out. It was it was a very bizarre feeling. Yeah, I two things. I do like the idea of some kind of Twelve Monkeys esque movie where like a character, the lead character, will pass by a movie theater and it's just a bunch of bloodshot posters. <laughs> <laughs> Like when, when, like, I don't know, when, when Paul Greengrass does the coronavirus docudrama and it like goes through the streets and he has to be period accurate so he decides to place a bunch of bloodshot posters bloodshot. everywhere. <laughs> That'll be something. Oh, also, I, I enjoy that your favorite job was not talking to a bunch of schmoes about their feelings, but working at a movie theater. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to know why. <clears throat> I've got a very simple explanation. I've thought about it for many years. I've I've reflected on this. Uh-huh. What sucked was the hours. Like movie theaters are never they're never closed unless there's a world-ending um, right. pandemic. But they're open 365 days a year. Holidays are the busiest days. You, you never really get those days off. Mm-hmm. But what's and the hours are long. You know, if you stay at a theater when it's um if you're doing the closing shift, you're staying till one, two, three a.m. Right. Um, if you're doing the opening shift, you're showing up at eight or nine a.m. Um, and then it's like a wave of kids are coming and, and that's like really, really uh, bad. But um, the amazing thing about a movie theater is everyone's going there to experience joy. People are going there to escape their struggles. They're being they're going there to being transported because they want to be transported. That's very different than the career I've invested in, which is helping people with. Uh, some of their biggest struggles and and helping people when they're most suffering. It was just um, it was a magical experience to be a part of everyone's daily escape. Uh, there's it's just I can't put any other words to it beyond just magic. How magical it is. Well, we do like to talk about magic at the cinema, so that is nice. <laughs> Indeed. But what what was supposed to come out? Oh yeah, that's right. There's this segment we haven't done yet. Uh, the, <laughs> the movie, totally. It's gonna be so. Ali, it sounds like you're an executive producer for our show already. Keeping us on track. <laughs> this is a very scrappy podcasting segment. Let me I tell you. Off track. <laughs> um, the movie that was supposed to come out this week, because it's like the last week of August, so it's like don't get excited. <laughs> right. Um, but it was the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, the sequel to the Hitman's the Bodyguard. Yes, starring Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Salma Hayek, and adding to the cast Richard E. Grant, Antonio Banderas, Frank Grillo, and Morgan Freeman. You do meet his wife in the first one. Yeah, she was so popular that they're like, let's base the sequel around her problems. Firecracker. But yes, the sequel to what was a fairly decent hit in August of a few in 2017, the Hitman's bodyguard. Ali, were you, did you see Hitman's bodyguard? Did you have any excitement I, for seeing No, that? I did not see that. And I, I don't think I saw a single preview for this one. I had no idea this was, the, yeah, no, out. there was, there was no previews at all yet. They like, they oh. delayed this one pretty early on because they had time to delay it. But, but wow. uh, yeah, it, it's scheduled to come out just next year now instead of this year. Um, somewhere that cinematic masterpiece is just sitting <laughs> waiting to be to be seen <laughs> by the masses Abe, did you see hitman's bodyguard i forget i did and it was it was fine i think that it was i think there were a lot of good like moments chuckle laughs uh-huh. if that makes sense um yeah. 
And so it made it fun because Ryan Reynolds, whenever he's playing frustrated Ryan Reynolds, is also fun. Like we like independent movie Ryan Reynolds, but frustrated Ryan Reynolds is, is sometimes maybe like marginally better than like goofy Ryan Reynolds. I can buy into that. We, we know that he's all goofy. You know, if you've seen his episode of Scrubs, you know, that he's a goofy guy. Yeah, that's the go to <laughs> example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I I, uh, I would have been curious to see the sequel, probably because we would have been forced to watch it because there was nothing else going on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'd be down to go and see more action with, uh, the comedic duo of, uh, Jackson and, and Ryan. I, I'd be down to see it just because Adam Gentry would like pick it for friend of the show. Adam Gentry would probably pick it for like the summer gamble thinking there's one week. It could probably make the top 10. Um, <laughs> that's why I like Adam a lot. You know, I go with our guests. Uh, but no, it's, I mean, it's I, in our hearts, Aaron, I know, uh, he was, he was on recently. He'll be back on, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the first one outside of, yes, it has some chuckle moments. And I think there, there's one action scene that I think was actually pretty well handled as far as making me see what was going on and and compensating for that for a big studio movie. Uh, but, I mean, <laughs> for its credit, like, it has all of the same people returning, including director Patrick Hughes, um, who did a, a few independent Australia movies, then he went on to do Expendables 3, um, mm. along with, like, adding... You know, I read that list. There's like there's a good set of actors in there, regardless yeah. of how much they're just kind of taking the movie because why not? But I mean, would I think, man, this is going to be you know the one that really ups the ante? No, but at the same time, it's like, all right, well, there's a familiarity there. Maybe that'll work out to its advantage. So, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll see next year. Oh, yeah, I was just saying, <laughs> are we gonna see it on VOD in like two weeks? Or? No, it, it, no, like they. I'm not even sure if they finished filming necessarily uh, because it was it was it started filming in March. So, Ooh, oh wow, yeah. Like yeah. I remember seeing. I think it was um, Sam Jackson who posted like a thing like saying like we're just started filming and then like a week later it was like I guess we got to stop filming. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it'll... was it international where they're filming or is yeah, it local? they were filming in okay. uh, Prague. You're close, like Slovenia, Bulgaria, Croatia. You know, <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, a lot of tax breaks out there. Well, like, do you all ever talk about the reverse, that movies that are now coming out that were supposed to come out before? Because in addition to Bill and Ted, isn't this the opening weekend globally of Tenet besides the United States? Yes, uh, globally Tenet did open this weekend. And um, I mean, I I review everything. (laughs) So it's like via VOD. So like, yeah, there's a number of things that came out um, this weekend. We don't generally talk about them because we'll try to either talk about it another time or it just doesn't right. quite matter but yeah there's t- there's certainly tons of vod things that are coming out on a weekly basis that just it just bums me out like that's the one movie i wanted to see this year was tenant um the onion had this article about all these uh, cinephile <laughs> refugees that are escaping <laughs> trying to get into canada to see tenant <laughs> and i was like uh, the onion was has been to... on point <laughs> yeah no yeah. but that's it that certainly is something that aaron and i have talked about with other guests as well which is just um you know uh first of all the u.s's handling of covid uh so that we're the ones that are being excluded from watching movies now so it's bumming us out but um maybe maybe i'll go to sneak into british columbia to go see a movie i don't know <laughs> I don't think they'll. They will not let you in. Day trip, uh, day trip, guys. Border guys, just day trip. Day trip. Two that's, hours. That's one done. of my favorite Todd Phillips movies. Day trip. Day trip. <laughs> it's the prequel to uh, The Hangover. Yeah, exactly. The Hangover, <laughs> the natural <laughs> movie to name <laughs> when I mention Todd Phillips and trip. 
Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Abe and I have talked a lot about Tenet and the fact that we're pretty content to not going to see it till we can see it the way we're supposed to and safely. Yeah. So be prepared yeah. for June 2021's review on the podcast yes! of Christopher Nolan's Tenet. <laughs> when it re-releases in theater. Yeah, yeah. I have no dope. doubt something like that has to happen at some point, right? Just give it oh, yeah. crazy I don't know if, Yeah, but I don't know if it's June 2021. I think well, I'm yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm... <laughs> I, yeah, I'm making a call. <laughs> now, totally. Yeah, no, that said, when you when it does come out June 2021, just I'm pointing at myself. Just you remember who said it. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. We have it recorded. It's it's available. Yeah. The no, internet archives everything, right? That's generally why I do this, so I can prove points <laughs> by saying, look, I said this right here on the podcast yeah. several years ago. Go to the 10 minute 26 second mark. Yeah. And I'll say it. <laughs> Abe and I, generally, like, at around 300, we were saying, we can just stop doing this, but we might as well keep doing it just to have things on the record. Like, that's well, pretty much the point of this podcast. <laughs> what the listeners don't know is sometimes we'll just recycle an episode because uh, we just want to make sure you're on your toes. Oh, yeah. You, that's you, not the, true. That's the, not the, true. The, the number of times we say, and here's our guest, and then we say nothing. The times we record <laughs> over that part, oh, man. <laughs> You'd be so surprised. Uh, so much work making the show. Yeah, it's way it's way more work on our part where we could easily just say the thing I just said and the actual guest name, but instead we record a blank spot and fill it in yeah. later. Yeah, we do a lot of ADR on the show. You do a lot of Denver Broncoing. <laughs> All right. Speaking okay. of things that are profoundly silly, yes, the movie that would have come out was Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. That'll come out in 2021. And now we will move on to our main review for. Bill and Ted face the music. Greetings, my excellent friends. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan. Performed tonight will save reality as we know it. Oh. oh. Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! <laughs> How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. Dude, our dads are totally in trouble. Yeah! Yeah! You should help them out. Yeah! No way! How's, How's it going, going Bill and Ted? We're putting together a most extraordinary band. Hey, you want to be in our band? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is so fantastic. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music. We often hear about sequels that are seemingly never going to happen, such as Beverly Hills Cop 4 or Beetlejuice 2. Every so often, they actually happen, but for every Mad Max Fury Road, you also get several Dumb and Dumber or Zoolander 2s. <laughs> Bill and Ted Face the Music has been talked about for a while, but compared to other films built on rumors, the script actually has existed for a while, only for funding to finally come through and production to begin back in 2019. Now we have Bill and Ted Face the Music, a film catching us up with the Wild Stallions, who are still working on writing the song that will bring peace to the universe. When time is suddenly running out, Bill and Ted take a chance to head to the future and steal the song from themselves, but that's just part of the time-traveling puzzle. Ali, are you a Bill and Ted fan, and was this another excellent adventure or a bogus journey? <laughs> Yo, I was uh, a little young 
for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when it came out in the uh, in the late 80s. Yeah, 89 was the first one. 89, yeah. So I was um, I was like just getting started with kindergarten at that time. So <laughs> it was it was, it was kind of over my head. Um, and as a result, I also didn't really watch Bogus Journey when it came out. So I saw them in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, my roommate and I one day just kind of stayed up late and were like, why don't we watch Bill and Ted? He was from... Um, he was from the Valley um, in Southern California, and so it just felt like – and he had never seen it, so it felt like a, a big piece of pop culture that he was missing. So I'm not like a ride-or-die Bill and Ted person. Um, I have a friend who is who was just counting down the days for this to come out. Um, having seen this in this context of the world that we're in, I'm so glad this movie exists, and I had <laughs> so much fun watching this film on Friday with my wife for us to like indulge in some silliness and as um, as a dad myself to see where this story goes and how it really does feature the next generation of Bill and Ted uh, that was uh, that that gave me a lot of uh, just adorable feelings so um, now this is totally excellent dude <laughs> Abe, were you yes. anticipating seeing a third Bill and Ted movie, and what what'd you think? I mean, I was. I, much like uh, Ali had mentioned, I didn't see when I when they had come out in theaters, but I did watch them when they were on TV on Saturday afternoons, and or they were like a, the the evening thing, like on a Wednesday. Uh, but typically, ABC never really showed these types of movies for the the Wednesday matinee, or I'm sorry, the the Wednesday evening movies of the week kind of thing. But um, I did enjoy it, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and then Bogus Journey. I think I saw it later when I was when it was like on VHS rental kind of thing. Um, this is how old we are. Uh, but for this one here, Bill and Ted Face the Music, I thought it was perfectly fine. Like it, it didn't blow me away, but it also wasn't awful, and it wasn't um, too pandering to hey, sure. remember when this happened, uh-huh. and remember like that, and it's like. Oh, dude, you left your keys around here. It's like they, they weren't using the same jokes. And then what I really appreciated about it, because the beginning could be a little bit grinding for some people, meaning that it could be a little bit slow. And you could think, like, why is Keanu and Alex like they, they're so old? The saving grace of that is actually when they time travel and they see other versions of themselves because you're like, oh, they're just playing Bill and Ted. <laughs> like, that's the reason why they might be speaking a little bit slower, because even the first ones that they go and visit they're speaking much faster. It's it's totally fun and, and laughable. And then as they progress throughout these things, it just becomes more more goofy um, and great. Um, I will say that I think that the addition of the two daughters uh, are great for the story. And it's fun to see them essentially redo Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, um, although in a faster way. Uh, so overall, it was very much like an enjoyable movie. Is it going to win any awards? No, but again, at the same time, like I'm glad that they didn't do perhaps what I thought they could have done, mm-hmm. um, and that situation. But um, yeah, we'll dig into it a little a little bit further, Aaron. Yeah, I um, for whatever reason, like these kinds of things tend to rub me the wrong way in their announcement, where it's like, really, a third Bill and Ted? Like, <laughs> my my general thought is, you don't want to see that. You just want to watch Bill and Ted again. Like, you're not going to get mm. that same thing. That's generally my reaction to like Beetlejuice too. It's like you're not gonna recreate Beetlejuice. Just watch Beetlejuice. You'll be fine. 
So getting <laughs> yeah. that, and then the trailer started coming out, and honestly, I just was not. I they didn't do anything for me. Like I was like, yeah, this is what it looks like when you try to make a third Bill and Ted movie. So. <laughs> To my surprise, and I don't generally get that surprise these days, I feel like I know what I'm going to get, even if I like something or not, I really enjoyed this movie. And I feel like I've only enjoyed it Dig more it. in the days since watching it. Um, mm. maybe did, it's you, com- did you end up buying it, too? I did not buy it, mainly because okay. I, there's no features on it, so I figure if I buy it, I might as well wait till it has extra features to yeah. go with it, not just the movie. Did you buy it, Abe? I did. I took I took Aaron's Scooby advice. I'm just like, well, if it's, 19, if it's $20 to, to rent it, and twenty five dollars to buy it. I guess I'll just buy it. Yeah, by yeah, that logic. I, yeah. I I spent ten minutes being torn about that. <laughs> like I went back and forth. I'm like, well, nineteen twenty dollars to rent, twenty five yeah. to buy. I don't know. I wish I could just try it and then see yeah. if I want to buy it and like upgrade. Give me a seven day free trial. And then I'll. <laughs> yeah. My curiosity no, I, is. I did, I did the Aaron Scoob thing. I yeah. ended up buying it because yeah. I'm like, well. I just feel like I want to support Hollywood right now. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's a sound rationale because I'm already paying for a bunch of streaming stuff. But I just felt like, you know, I, I want to support this. Right. My curiosity is if, like, once you buy it, the will like will it automatically be upgraded with any extra features that come with it later on yeah. down the line? I should check that Maybe. Scoob thing since I yeah. did buy Scoob. Right. <laughs> and can always watch Scoob whenever hey, I well, want to. I, I do want to basically a shout out. Thank you, Aaron, for helping me work through some of that logic so I sure. didn't have to think about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, that was what, no, what yeah. I, I feel like you gather what we're talking about, Ali. But when Scoob came out, yes, you could either rent it or just buy it. And it's like, well, yeah, might as well buy it for the extra couple bucks because that's just a better deal. for <laughs> What helps is that I what I was getting to, to my surprise, I did enjoy this movie quite a bit. Um, yeah. I it, Whether or not it's compounded by the fact that Yes, a lot of events have happened this week in America once again that have made watching something that feels like a warm hug a uh, you know a nice way to you know diverge from reality for a bit and just enjoy something. But no, I I do think there's a lot of worthwhile elements to this film, um, largely because the spirit has been maintained and what that spirit is is beyond being this kind of goofy time travel adventure. Is there's not a mean bone in this franchise's body. Like right. everything we watch in these movies is geared towards I wanted I want to accomplish something. We may might we may not be the smartest people, we we may not be the best at everything, but at the same time we are motivated and given the right tools, we can accomplish things. And I do th- I think that's some really positive messaging that I think writers Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon they really tap into because I think people tend to to like assign these characters as stoner characters and regardless of how the viewer watches the movie Bill and Ted aren't stoners. They're no. they're guys that aspire to do things. They're they're not the smartest, as I mentioned, but they still want to be successful by working hard and accomplishing things. And I, again, that's really positive. And so watching a whole movie about these guys who have have struggled to write the song that will correct the universe, but have still maintained relationships, have children, uh, like. I, there's something just really refreshing about the idea of a sequel years later where they're not like, oh, we're, we're worse than ever. We got to get back to it. Like, they're still fairly fine. They just got to work a little harder. Like, and so right. it's watching a movie about that and seeing the steps we see them on as far as time traveling into the future and seeing versions of themselves they want to basically prevent. Um, that's really fun. And then, like you mentioned, Abe, the kind of subplot involving the daughters who are giving us a kind of re redo of excellent adventure that's fun too uh so it it works rather well like for all the shortcomings that we can get into i do think the movie yeah. has a strong enough base 
and positive enough messaging and just enough fun in kind of the various characters and whatnot that makes it an enjoyable film that's very likable. Like, there's no lowbrow humor. There's no, there's no like, snarkiness. It's just about, like... It, I mean, unity is a huge theme in this movie, like given where right, things yeah. go. So it's just, I, it was very refreshing to to watch <laughs> this and enjoy it, as well as be relieved that it's not just like a nostalgic crash cash grab, like you mentioned. It. Completely, it's it's amazing that this series, it's the message that really entered pop culture is to be excellent to each mm-hmm. other. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's awesome. That's an right. awesome message. It was great in the 80s, worked in the 90s, very much needed now. And it's uh, with the exception of one gay slur in the first movie, which uh, when you rewatch that, you're like, how how was this ever OK? And, and like, just, how... to, just to add to that, I mean, I, I've listened to those movies with their commentaries, the which they were recorded way after when they were being re-released. And they've very much acknowledged like, yeah, we were dumb and stupid. Like, that, that's exactly yeah, yeah, what they yeah. say to that. Yeah, yeah which I'm, and, I'm and glad also, I'm glad they own that. Yeah. And I also just want and this is not like uh, as a as a cop out or anything like that. But terms like that were used in the 80s and 90s pretty heavily. Uh, yeah. Right. So I mean, I mean, like, I mean, they were used by me. Like, yeah, I was gonna say I use those terms, too. And obviously they're they're not cool now. And I definitely not condoning anybody using them. But they're like, I remember this sort of came up during um, what was Jonah Hill's movie? Um, Which one? Mid 90s. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Mid 90s. Mid 90s. And that the controversy of just some some slurs used there. It's like he's exactly th- those kids are speaking the way that 90s kids spoke it's it's yeah. very like authentic quote-unquote authentic which is not a way anyway. to condone it it's just more of acknowledging no. that this is a it's, thing it's that acknowledging that it was yeah it was in the lexicon while it was never appropriate the lexicon has evolved as far as Correct. what we're acknowledging as far as shortcomings yeah. on the side and if, of people if that you are... can grow with it and acknowledge that you did a bad then you're doing you're on the right track right right and and that's what these films really feel like is they're they feel like they're they're really made for everyone. Like it, it, it really. I, I never real realized until um, doing research for this episode that the past films were PG. And I don't know if this one is mm. PG thirteen or it PG. is. It is PG thirteen, and it really couldn't. There's. It's for some language because I think they say dick a couple times, and it's like <laughs> it's such. It's the That's lightest. So weird. This yeah. is the lightest PG thirteen I've seen in a long time. Let me tell you. Like maybe it's because they tur- they use the term hell and they actually go to hell. I don't yeah, know. It's not that. It's, right. like, it's they say dick a couple times. That's like. Right. That's I do remember weird. that. Yeah. Yeah. So that feels so refreshing to have a film that um, is is so inclusive in that way and that you don't have to worry too much about watching with like younger audiences and just has this heart and this core message of being excellent to each other, working together, uh, supporting each other. And, you know, I, I know some people have been criticizing Bill and Ted, just it, it's weird not to see them grow up but i i kind of disagree with that i mean they're they're working hard to save their marriage um right they've been really supportive dads their daughters really love them and uh want to help them and they've kind of passed on their love of music to them um i i think they're like pretty decent good people and and that's awesome yeah, and I, Aaron, you you said this too, and I definitely want to uh, echo it. Um, this is not a negative movie at all. Like, there's nothing in this movie 
that is there's like no there is a conflict in the movie but the conflict is taken like as a personal challenge if that makes sense yeah the, it's the, not as the though there's like are, an antagonist yeah the stakes yeah. are both low and high at the same time right <laughs> and like even like the like the part in which maybe you could perceive uh ted being like the meanest is actually just really funny because he he's talking to like an android robot kind of thing, and they're just they just cut him off all the time, which is actually a really fun recurring joke. Yeah, let me <laughs> let me so, tell you the the yeah. Anthony Kerrigan character he plays a robot. I will not get into it's it fantastic. more because I feel like there's some great reveals over and over again involving who he is, <laughs> right. liter- literally in something he's addressing at some point. But I found I found that to be hysterical, and that, this was not a movie that was. I wouldn't say I was laughing constantly at it. I was right. maybe amused by it for most of the time, but every time the robot, especially when it started evolving more, I was yes. like, this is really yeah. funny. <laughs> like, this is and really I, yeah. And I do want to add that I think the third act of this movie is probably the strongest, um, yes. which is when a lot of things start happening, but also they, they go and visit death again. And that's like a, a very fun conversation to have. Let's get into the cast a little bit here. Just, just, this is real, all the original just, just cast. To, just to piggyback off that, I, I do think yeah. I agree with you. I think the movie is like a it's a it's a slant upwards as far as the quality. I think it gets better as it goes along. Uh, yes. which I think I find to be pretty impressive in a comedy. Generally, sometimes it just yeah, in the middle. I I hundred percent agree because I, we just talked about what did we talk about last week? I can't even remember these days. Um, Munich. Uh, no. Um, oh wow, we talked about Munich. Two thousand and four. Fantastic. We have time to stop the coronavirus. We did. Um, time traveled back through time. It was. You all were the first podcast ever made. Two thousand four. Wow. Indeed. Um, no, we we talked. <laughs> yeah. We talked about um, uh, unhinged, of course. <laughs> right and and you know in that movie the third act is not the strongest you know what i mean like i feel like there's just a lot like what you said aaron there's an upper trajectory of it and it, it's overall very positive you know like that's what you were saying too dr ali which is just great positive message of being excellent to each other but i like aside from like, we can talk about the characters too um i'd love to kind of just hear your thoughts on on original cast I had to th- I had to think about it and I was like, is that really Ted's dad? And then is that really oh, yeah. like, no, like yeah, I, is that really like Missy? And I looked at it all like it is. This is fantastic. I mean, Ted's dad. There's there's such a specificity to Hal Hal Landon Jr. Like uh-huh. he has like this egg head. Like and it's, it's <laughs> yeah. and a very He's, like almost his, like a Bill Watterson drawing come to life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he looks like Calvin's dad kind of or but, like you yeah. Know. He, like the second he showed up, I'm like, well, I'm very happy because they got him back because he has these kind of exaggerated reactions that are very funny. Yeah. Like he's playing this serious, quote unquote, serious character, but he's certainly, you know, he has a, I'm waving my hands around and yelling at Ted kind of thing going on. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, fun. it's fun that like he's probably the oldest cast member and I'm happy he returned for this movie. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if those... I don't think it's the same princesses. No, it's not sure because they're, they they were they're contemporary yeah, actresses. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. And I would uh, say, I mean, if there's a shortcoming to the movie, it's the fact that yeah, Aaron Harris and Jamie Mays, who are funny people in their own right, they've done funny things. Right. Like they have next to nothing to do in this movie. Like it's, you know, yeah, there's like a time travel element with them that we don't really get into, which may or may not really hurt the movie. I don't think it really does anything for it, but. Yeah, I, I hear you. I would say uh, between them and and Beck Bennett as Ted's younger brother, grown up. Yeah, I was like, gonna ask you guys. Would did, I can't remember if he had a younger? Did he? 
Yeah, he did and, because he takes okay. Napoleon to to uh, Waterloo. In, oh, in oh, okay. and then he, and then they like they go bowling, and I think they like they ditch him at some point. But yeah, he has a younger brother because he's supposed okay. to look after Napoleon while they're on their excellent adventure the whole time. <laughs> he's supposed but to look after Napoleon. What I was gonna say though, I mean, I I feel like you have these people who are all you know funny actors and they don't have anything to do, which makes me wonder maybe they're just especially with Beck Bennett who you know is a funny actor from. Saturday he's got Life. yeah, he's got. I two feel seasons. like I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of deleted stuff involving more of them and they just want to tighten up the film. Like that seems like oh sure. uh, yeah a real simple you know explanation because like why would you hire them sure. to begin with? <laughs> but, right. but i mean speaking of people coming back alex sure. winter coming back as bill like he he's been he's been producing and i think making and directing he's a he's and a, directing he's an award-winning oh. documentarian he's he's yeah he's kept, he's kept busy for sure but yeah in terms of screen presence yeah keanu reeves is obviously the bigger deal of the two of them but. yeah yeah right but i for some reason i just felt uh, a greater affinity to bill in this one um he just uh-huh. seemed a little bit more like what an aged up bill would be i mean it's very i'm like drawing at strings here like bill sure. and ted together were awesome but between the two bill felt like he was a little bit more like yeah this would be bill grown up uh, just a bit more and I, I think that's a big testament to alex winter who hasn't acted in so long um coming back into this role and just seeing him and Keanu together, they they've got just such great chemistry. They became friends on the on the first movie, or when they were I think being cast in the first movie. Yes. Uh, so seeing them together, just their the chemistry between the two is just that was part of the giggles for me. Just seeing yeah. them play off of each other. I agree. And, I was. Right. And we, we, talk, we talked about this upward trajectory. I, it was like a bit of a thing for me to be like okay, let me catch myself up with how these people are acting because it's such a, it's kind of jarring to be like, it's Bill and Ted again. <laughs> it's 20 years, <laughs> or it's 30, almost 30 years later. And, you know, obviously, yes, I, I, I'm very familiar with Keanu Reeves. He's been a, a consistent presence. But yeah, Alex Winter, both of them being together, watching them kind of acknowledge the fact that they're older and still kind of play this these specific roles. It's like, all right, this, this is taking a second. But once it once it kind of clicked in for me, I was in. Uh, I was, I was <laughs> yeah. into just watching it and watching that chemistry and watching them interact with versions of themselves, which I found to be very funny. So, yeah, I found that to be funny, too. And I found that to be, again, probably really fun just to see their their acting range and how they could either go um, extreme with it. And that was fun. That was really good to see, like, again, Keanu doing an English accent and Alex Winter have, like, a bald cap on and stuff like that, where <laughs> it, it just became incredibly, like, uh, again, it, you could totally tell that. Bill and Ted are performances. You know, they're it's not how Keanu and Alex Winter actually are, which right. is very refreshing. Um, the other thing that I want to real, real quick on, yeah. on that, speaking of refreshing, not related to the movie directly, but the fact that they like all of the interviews where they're always together, uh, and just you can really see that camaraderie, and that yeah, and yeah. I mean it is refreshing to see. I mean, it's not like any of us. Everyone seems to kind of know that Keanu Reeves is a great person. Like that just seems to like his be his mo in real right. life, but. It's not about like let's talk specifically to Keanu about things. It's we're talking to these guys together and we're having a great time doing it. And that's like been the prevailing kind of press messaging I've seen throughout the advertising of his movies. Like they're yeah. together, they're having a great time, they've been friends for years, and it's great to have them back doing this. Yeah, and you, like what you guys are both saying, I think that it does come across on the screen of this them being friends for real. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you'd have more like dragging performances, I'm sure. Um, but I did want to get back to like some of the thematic things about the movie, which you guys are both talking about, and, and Dr. Ali most recently, of just them 
they're not stuck in 1989 or they're not stuck in like right. high school San Dimas. You know what I mean? They, they, it's never fully addressed, but they have homes. They live right next to each other. They have like families whom they love very much. It's they, they're again, like what you guys say, they're trying to do things that they want to be doing, which is like, we've been told that there's a prophecy and we're going to reunite the world and we're trying to work hard at it, but Maybe we're getting too old and now I'm worried. It's like there's actually real things that are going on with their lives. It's not it's like I think that in the wrong hands. And this is the same writers as the first and second, right? Yes. Yeah. So it, I think in the wrong hands, you get a bad script where they're still like they have to make a stop at San Dimas High School or something like that. And then they have to right. say the San Dimas High School rules, kind of football rules or whatever. You know, you'd get that kind of movie where it's like I get that you guys are like uh you know knocking on old doors kind of thing but i'm glad that they didn't do that and this is to the credit of the the writers kind of thinking ahead and saying how can we progress this movie and these and the story of these two characters without waxing nostalgic and i i appreciate that very much to if to to, to get to you ali i i want to propose this i mean Abe, what you've just said yes all very accurate as far as the kind of lives are leading and the the tone the film takes with that if you want to address an issue they have as far as stakes for this film that it tries to address, although I think it could have done a better job with, is the fact that Bill and Ted are very much codependent on each other. Yeah. Uh, and that becomes an issue that they try to address in like a, uh, what, a, mar- a marriage counseling meeting with Jillian uh, Bell as the <laughs> therapist. That, I think, is pretty funny. Uh, Ali, what do you have to say about that? The kind of their reliance on each other. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I love that these these guys love each other so much. I mean, they name their kids after each other. Um, okay. I, and I love the this was revealed in the trailer, but I love that um, when we last uh, left, we, we all assumed that they're boys, um, but they're actually girls. And um I, I love that reveal, but they, yeah, they, they're so, they so care about each other and that, um, that couple's counseling session just, it was cracking me up the whole <laughs> time, like beginning to end. Um, I love that they went to therapy. I love that they're working on this problem. I love that they, they realize stuff about themselves and we can't go get into, where how that arc resolves because that that gets into spoilers but um i love the journey they go on and and how much they learn about each other and about family and about their relationships and how much they have to prioritize their their marriages um i also love that uh their daughters are such good friends with each other and the journey they go on as well um I mean, it kind of speaks to um, Abe. I think you were talking about this, about, um, or actually, I think Aaron, we, we're all talking about this. <laughs> but um, I'm you know, playing the, Abe just to make sure we're all on the same page. <laughs> oh, we're still, we're still on that bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, th- they aren't the same people, and they have this uh, this responsibility that they're feeling, and um, I really, really love how that responsibilities dealt with at the end of the film um creating this this song that's going to unite humanity i love the way that it's resolved and that message that it sends um that was really really sad emotionally satisfying to me right and speaking of that i kind of want to get to like some of the science stuff not that we're experts in the quantum realm but just more that um (laughs) i like that they uh first of all i well let me ask you guys this 
Did you guys like the way that they used Rufus in this movie? Mm. I, here's a fun fact about Rufus. Um, the So Christian Shaw plays his daughter, Kelly. Kelly is the name of George Carlin's actual daughter. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, I so it. I feel like they everything that they did to involve Rufus and things involving him to into this movie, I think, was handled very appropriately and mm-hmm. with a sense of honor that yeah. I don't think a, you know, a, a film with a giant budget that could do all kinds of weird technology things. I don't think that would have been anywhere near as effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, he was definitely a part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the direct nod that you have to him, I, I think it was very tastefully done. Um, yes. But his his absence is a, is a huge part of the story. And there's a debate um, about what his character would have wanted to see happen right now. And um, uh, I thought that was a great way to set set the story into motion. I, yeah, I, I can talk or I, I can I certainly can hear you on on um, how his presence would have changed the movie. I, but I agree with you both that it was tastefully done. And, you know, when you see the movie, when when the audience members and the listeners and, and um, folks go see it, you'll see that it, it's done in a way that is not um, overly. What would be the term? Like, I, I want to say like overly aggressive, but essentially it's it's just what they do to it. It actually makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. I see what's happening here um, and what the purpose that it's serving but it's not something that is taking away from the rest of the movie. Like you're not questioning, like why did they do that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Abe, speaking of making sense, that's also something I really love about this movie is you don't get stuck in all of the time travel stuff. Yeah. Like I, I, I got a very similar vibe from this movie that I did with Looper where I there's was just sure. going to say okay. what? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Mind build. Um, exactly. Go for it then. Go for it. No, I was gonna say like you know this movie they they bring up quantum science and time travel and whatever else, but they don't spend time to be like I'm not gonna I got have to do diagrams with straws and whatever right, else. Right. Like you just live in the world and then you're just like okay cool well I guess this makes sense now. Well I, I to add to that I think something I've always liked about all the Bill and Ted movies, and I honestly, I'd rate them all about the same. Like I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think anyone's any significantly better or worse than the other. I think they're all just consistently, you know, pretty good. Um, I do think the films are much smarter than people give them credit for as yeah. far as how they yeah. handle the time travel stuff, because it's not about the logic or the science involved. It's about how we're, how we're writing this to fit the, both the characters and the journey they're supposed to be on and how right. to make that make the, the basic bit of sense and by not overcomplicating it i think that makes it a a competent time travel movie uh yeah i think that holds true in this one as well i mean it it doesn't get into like it addresses like special guest kid cuddy's able to address things on a you know a a, um a mumbo jumbo (laughs) level i shall say yeah on a scientific jargon level right quantum theory and what have you but as far as like (laughs) what why things make sense I feel like the film does an adequate job of justifying the things that are going on while still maintaining its goofy sense of place. Look, right. I am not I am not an expert and the closest person on this podcast is is Ali. But um you <laughs> know put that quote but, on a business card. I am not an expert, Abe. <laughs> in Ray's lettering and also in bone, so that uh, so that uh, Christian Bale gets jealous. Um but I but I wanna basically say that there is a part where they're talking about how the universe is infinite and they're actually talking about like you know at this point in time is the same point in time for everybody i was like this actually makes a lot of sense as to how they can distribute this song you know what i mean 
And like, right. it's not, it's not as though it's like, oh, we've got to like time travel to every time in the world. They, they actually have a logical discussion about it or a logical conclusion about it. And it's like, I appreciate that even though it, it is light, it's not, you know, oh, you play the guitar riff and then the whole entire world's going to hear or the entire universe is going to hear kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like that, that only happens at the end of the movie with like an, a voiceover, which um, I thought was very funny. But um, it, it's very yeah. there's a very abrupt ending to this movie where I was like, yes, I mean, all right, I guess we're done. But still, I would have liked to see a little bit more. <laughs> well, I mean, I was like, there's got to be something else. Right. And so I waited for like the main credits and maybe a mid credits thinger. But no. But well, yeah, no. Just, wait, hold on, uh, wait, hold on. Did you not yeah. stay till the end of the credits? I yeah, did. There, it, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. Okay, because there is an so to let audiences know there is an end credit stinger, which I yeah, know. Yeah, that, that was a nice. Yeah. It was a nice touch. Yeah, right. it was a but nice roll. Yeah, as, as you say, just to close up. As far as like the science goes, um, I'm glad that they they brought in Kid Cudi to give us all this jargon, um, and that they took time to think about some of the things that go on here. Because Aaron, to your point about the movie being smarter than it is. Even the first one, the the logic that I love the most is when they find the keys, the right? Keys. His yeah, dad's keys. Uh-huh. And he's just like, well, if we travel into the future and then we just remember to bring the keys back to this point in time, then they should be behind this post. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we did it. And then Keanu's like, just don't forget to make us do it. Oh, we already did it. And they're just like, <laughs> it actually makes a lot of sense. And I was like, this is incredible. Like watching it as like a 30-some-odd-year-old, like rewatching Bill and Ted's Extended Adventure, I'm just like, you know, this film is actually really fun. Like, well, that, it actually that, a lot of sense, like time travel wise. That that hints at like, <laughs> that that hints at the, the why it's like it's it it can be smart and it doesn't need to, like to explain it, it and why yes, it, and where this kind of this sense of fun tone comes in where you don't need to overanalyze and overexplain why things are happening the way they are you can build a film that doesn't need to be entirely technical yet still make sense and be fun at the same time and, yeah. and delve into that sweetness that kind of works for the series that, yeah and that's something about the series that does remind me of a lot of the um the 80s era science fiction that doesn't get lost in a lot of the world building or trying to explain the the science fiction science behind what's happening in and, space weird science <laughs> weird science yeah. um yeah it just um you know like the ghostbusters and the back to the mm-hmm. futures and 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 all of those um it it feels right at home in that era and that's one of the things that really frustrates me about science fiction is if it delves way too into all the uh the science of it the explanations because that's when you kind of open yourself up to a lot of the the critical thinking that can make it hard to suspend your your disbelief and and bill and ted doesn't um it does something that that i love about science fiction science fiction and like historical fiction they're both very much related to each other like a lot of science fiction when you're imagining the future, you take inspiration from history. And one of the cool things about time travel science fiction is you, you're able to go back into history. And and Bill and Ted does that really well by actually meeting these historical figures. We do get less time with the historical figures in this film than we do in previous ones. But the time that we do spend, it's it's just um, it's joyful to see uh to see the the daughters uh kind of going on that journey as well but um 
Yeah, I um I one of the best descriptions I've heard of Bill and Ted comes from the honest trailer for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which uh-huh. describes it um the phone booth as a American TARDIS. And <laughs> I, I think like this is such an American version of Doctor Who is like these like really silly dudes from San Dimas kind of like going through time and in the process learning more about themselves and learning about history. And I I think this film very much is true to that spirit in a way that doesn't make you overthink it. Talking about that a little bit more as far as the kind of role history plays and the intelligence going on here. Uh, that we should talk more about like the daughter's subplot because for one thing yeah. they're fun they're fun characters and I think uh, both uh, Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne they do a good job of kind of being an, uh, a younger emblem of of Bill and Ted they capture those personalities well but the I think the writing of them is very clever because they're they're both taking on those personalities but they're very smart characters like it goes a different direction with them yes. everything they do is related to how knowledgeable they are about music. And that comes up right away. Like after you see Bill and Ted perform at a wedding, they they come up and talked about all the influences they have. And they're very specific about these influences, like throat, like what African throat singing and among other things. And it's, it's really interesting to like, see the, the way we've designed these characters are to be incredibly smart people who know everything about music. They've taken what they got from their dad that dads and presumably the genes from their mothers and they've become intelligent people that are still like in this aloof kind of mode the way that bill and ted can be i i found that to be a, a fun way to kind of i don't know subvert what you'd get from character like this it, instead of like having bratty daughters or any other kind of thing it's like no they're just smart people that love their dads <laughs> like why not yeah yeah i, I you know honestly i think that like my nitpick would have been with them like not in a not in a heavy way either but just more of, well, sometimes, like, I was like, why would they have the same accents? But it is what it is. And it's a cartoon. I, like, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, and that, that's ultimately what I resolved it to be um, is, is that, you know, you have Samara Weaving and Bridget Lindy Payne um, just having thick Southern California Valley accents. And they, again, like to your point, Aaron, they're very smart. But that was probably the thing where I was. Uh, when they when they actually cut away sometimes from the Bill and Ted storyline into the 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 Billy and Thea storyline, I was like, oh I, I oh man, like at this point, not in a bad way, just more of like, oh they were just gonna get to something good. Um, but it all it ultimately does make sense. Um, and you're right, their their time travel stuff is very fun too. I mean, I loved that that uh, Mozart and and Jimi Hendrix. Um, oh, yeah. It was it was fun. <laughs> The, the, uh, not to get Abe, too I think I have an the... explanation because uh-huh. I, I think your um, your criticism here really speaks to um, why do they have a late 80s, early 90s Southern California accent? <laughs> right. Like that. That's the issue. <laughs> um, they must have been homeschooled, man. Like homeschooled <laughs> and have it like no other friends and not have any exposure to media past 1990. I, th- I think that's the only way this that, works. That, that probably is the, the major reason. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> yeah, our knowledge is music. They have a great extensive garage of uh, well, I mean, just, like, they, garage collection. They grew up on tour for one thing, right? That's true. They that's oh, yeah. Traveling with Bill and Ted, being only around them and, and, the, and the princesses. 
and, and and presumably maybe I don't know what homeschool with like Rufus going through time every now and then to like show him some things. That he's, he's, Rufus is their uh, Willem Dafoe of of Aquaman. He's like been teaching him things through time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is we will good. No, just just for the record, we will no longer say he's his Obi Wan. He is his Willem Dafoe from Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't remember Willem Dafoe's name in that movie, but he's great. He teaches them how to kick some ass. Um, I do yeah, want to. I do want to catch catch tridents and stuff. You know. Yeah, catch, and like you know, Volko is it. his name, by the way. Volko. Volko. Okay, it'd be like Volcom without the M. Yeah. Exactly um, like that. Yes. Yeah, um, I do want to talk about like sort of the third act, um, not in spoilers, but more just I think there's actually a really extended scene that involves uh, William Sadler. I That's dug death, that yeah. scene a lot. Yeah. Um, there's actually like a lot of thought in that scene of just they don't expressly say like, well, this is where we have to forgive, man. It's just a conversation and it just elongates and then it actually involves um, the two daughters Let's go, dude. Yeah. Good luck, Dad. Be sweet. Okay. Okay. Hey, Death. Why, if it isn't a wild stallions. Have you come to sue me again? No, Death. Not at all. We just need to talk to you, Death. Talk to the hand. What uh, William Sadler has to say in that in those scenes is very funny and very like very amusing that the daughters would know all this stuff. And I was like, did they even mention all these albums in the previous movies that Death had done? But well, they, that's that takes place in between these movies. <laughs> yeah, I was like, even if they didn't, like it's actually still very funny and it's still very it's actually very sincere. And and if you want to talk about like closure and things. Like that's like the ultimate like well we'll we'll close everything up from from part two and then we'll just um, finish up strong here at the end. Well, just to recall, like Bill Sadler was a dramatic actor, like that, like before Bogus <laughs> Journey and even after Bogus Journey, like he's an actor who he's a character actor. He tends to play like heavies or something. He's the bad guy in Die Hard too. Right. Uh, but he's also he's you know he's a character guy. He's in a he's in a few he's in all of I think Frank Darabont's uh, films like Shawshank Redemption and whatnot. yeah he, he plays like um, a huge uh, well and, he, he turns in that movie. He's generally like a blowhard or an aggressor right. or like. You know, so when he shows up in Bogus Journey, regardless of when you watch it, you watch it now and you know who he is watching Bogus Journey all of a sudden where he's playing this character of death that's like visually based off of Ingmar Bergman's death in Seven Seal <laughs> has this has this like Romanian type accent, which he's based on a friend and turns out to be this kind of really insecure man who wants to who's very competitive <laughs> That's hilarious, and yeah. that's and so to carry that on to this movie, where it's like, what's the result of what's the result of him being in a band where he has total control and power? Well, yeah, he probably overstays welcome. He get kicked out of the band. It's right. really funny. Yeah. It's really funny to see the kind of impetuousness that's shared between Bill and Ted and Death. And right. Again, Death, the Grim Reaper. The Grim movie. Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> he himself, the Grim Reaper. But I, I just yeah. love how they're like. All right, well, how are we going to get out of this? Well, I guess we got to go talk to death. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the only that's the only explanation I can think of, too. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, I just I would love to hear your thoughts on on kind of just because it is a long scene. It's probably like five minutes worth of film. Right. So yeah, there's so much compassion there. 
Like, yeah. like these are guys. It, it's it gets back to something we were talking about earlier on, which is that they're not dumb. They they can solve problems and they're dealing with a lot of responsibility. And and that scene, what it shows me is they're also not petty. They're very compassionate. Yeah. And um, they know that this um, they, they have to deal with this relationship, which they have mixed feelings about, I'm sure. Um, but but they deal with it. And, and their daughters are also part of the heart of that scene. Um, yeah. And for all the reasons we mentioned before, like they really they they know a lot about music and they're open minded. Um, and I think everyone in this film um, in our well, at least with Bill and Ted and, and their daughters, they're just really open minded, flexible people. Yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on Bill and Ted face the music? Oh wait, hold on. We've been we uh the music itself in face the music. I really enjoyed. I thought this was a really good soundtrack. I think I think it's very. I think the like I'm not a huge metal guy, and there's not a ton of metal in this movie, but I think every choice that they made is very energetic and fun, and just kind of adds to the tone of this film. Uh, I was I, right. I I came away thinking that when I was watching the credits, like this has just been a fun soundtrack. I, I enjoyed all this for you know I I don't think the music was ever as important to the other movies as it was to this one. So I figured, oh yeah, that's actually they there there's some attention there that I appreciated. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah, I was, I was, my last thought. Oh, go ahead. Uh, oh, just one thing I wanted to mention um, is the direction here. Uh, Dean yeah. Parasot uh, is a director who who's done a lot of TV work um, over the last few years, but um, I love him for Galaxy Quest. Of course yes. you do. Yeah, and of course I do. Right, one of the best Star Trek <laughs> movies ever made. It's my favorite Star Trek. Movie. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> a lot of folks in a snarky way say how much better Galaxy Quest is than the uh, the J.J. Abrams uh, reboot and all that. And I, I think it's pretty great. Um, but the tone here felt very much similar to Galaxy Quest, where Galaxy Quest could devolve into making fun of Star Trek, and it never really does. It kind of honors it. And same thing here, um, Bill and Ted, the the tone felt right. Like, we were never laughing at Bill and Ted. We were kind of laughing with them, and it wasn't... That's a great point. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I think I think I think the best thing he does is kind of stay out of his own way as far as, yes, he's doing the job of the director here. He's not giving it necessarily a giant visual push or anything like that. But I do think it's a film that feels like a collaboration of you know what we've established in the previous Bill and Ted's via the actors as well as the writers. And I think he seems to want to acknowledge that rather than especially for a movie that I imagine has a a fairly efficient budget uh to put it <laughs> like, I, was gonna, uh, I was gonna ask if you knew that by the way offhand i mean like i was gonna guess like maybe like 30 i had it at one point 25 so you're, yeah you're really close okay. um <laughs> it's right. yeah it's you know it's a modestly budgeted movie uh, but I, and, I mean it shows and i yeah. like that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it shows but things like like what you guys are both saying like it's not the director's not going out of his way to like, well, no, we have to really create the set in the future. You know what I mean? It's like, no, it's no, all it's, just CG. It's, it's I was what, like, that looks like a a really well equipped YouTuber could could create that future green yeah. screen. Yeah, it's it's what, but, but I like it, that. It's in yeah, line. With, it's it. in line with the series. That's again what yeah. I liked about it. Like when you have like yes. the robot, for example, it's like yeah, it's a guy in a robot costume. Exactly. Like, it's, right. I mean, yeah, think about makes, think... which makes Ali's uh, point of like our American Doctor Who all the more funny because like, oh, totally. yeah, 
seems like a bot and a dialect at the same time. Right, <laughs> right, right. Think <laughs> about the robots they make in Bogus Journey, where it's like, yeah, that looks like a movie with that budget for making robots. <laughs> or like, I mean, it's, it, yeah. or like Abe, just, the, ca- just the casting that. of... Doctor Who still has that budget and that feel. Like it, it, it really does. Yeah, the, design, the writing right? is like what sets it apart. But all, yeah. all, everything looks exa- like it, it looks like. Why does it look so cheaply made? It's like it's probably its charm. It's an, yeah. it's an aesthetic yeah. choice. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's that a very. I don't watch. Please. I don't watch Doctor Who, but I mean I know it's a very specific. It has a very specific audience, and it's like yeah, you don't need to kind of upgrade the visuals necessarily. You just right, you right. want to keep that same tone, and I think that's what exactly that's part. That's very much like you said. It's part of its charm for sure. Yeah. Um, my last point is that I, as I was watching this movie and I thought back to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus, bogus uh, Journey, more to the Excellent Adventure part, but I was like, it's what a, what a concept. Like I was uh-huh. remarking about like – we talked about this briefly during the, the discussion overall, but I was like, okay, let's make a movie about two teenagers that time travel in a phone booth and go back and find historical figures so they can do a high school project. It's like <laughs> – you know, like I don't think that I could have come. Like I don't, I you know, we talk about like, original. To that. Yeah, no, but we talk about like original films, and we talk about like you know, uh, this is a sequel, and like it's building off of that. But I think we've already discussed that it doesn't build off the nostalgia factor. Sure. But for other movies that are coming out today, where it's like, well, where like let's find some ideas about things. Like try harder, guys. <laughs> like mm. you know, like we were able to make built like people were able to make Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Fucking Biodome, which has not aged well at all. But, you know, a lot I of mean, things it, like this where it's like... <laughs> Biodome was never good. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, like, age well in terms of, like, I think there's, like, a lot of, like, questionable things in that movie. Oh, yeah, uh, it's, the, it's a meaner movie than these are, yeah. For sure. Yeah, but, you know, things like that where it's like, let's just dig up a caveman because I want to build my own pool. <laughs> it's like, where are these? Like, I, I understand that we're at a different point in time and also we're a different... Like, the kids are... are you know, Ali, you mentioned, like, the YouTube thing and everyone's, like very much adept at that but you know like i i don't think i need a remake of total recall you know what i mean i don't so think you're I saying need... you, where were like the high concept low stakes comedies yeah, yeah or just like you know where's like yeah where are these like fun adventures that we could be going on like we just talked about the hitman's bodyguard and that while that's fun that's fun because the actors in it are making it fun meaning you know who ryan reynolds is and who sam jackson is it's not because the movie itself the concept is not very fun you know what i mean like so it's it's strange to me that like um i think about like, these movies from way back when and they're fun they're kind of goofy they're they're lighthearted and they're charming um and maybe i'm just waxing nostalgic myself but um i, I certainly felt as though there was like the possibilities were endless so to speak because in this time period you also get like stuff like back to the future and you also get stuff like what else came out like 85 89 like I don't know. A I'm trying of, not to say the Goonies, but the Goonies came out. <laughs> right, but I mean, you know, you, there's just a lot of things that are trying. Yeah, this Indiana is like Jones, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Ghostbusters. And I'm like, I'm like soapboxing now and apple boxing, or apple boxing is when you get taller. Soapboxing. I'm kind of soapboxing. <laughs> apple box. That's that's what Tom Cruise ends on when he has to like go and talk with uh. uh that was Jake Abe playing Gavel. himself right then, by the way, just to just yeah. that one out there. It's, re- it's really important to Apple Box when you're recording a podcast. Exactly. You want yeah. height. We all have to be at the same height, otherwise yeah. the audio quality is... Well, I hear Apple Box is... 2 is going to be great, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait for Apple Box 360 to come out. Um, oh, but, uh, yeah, that's essentially just it, which is I saw this movie, I thought back to the, its original, I was like, 
what a what a concept to have like 1980 whatever 89 when it came out um and you know just to have conceived of it it's pretty great i i wouldn't i don't even i don't even think that we can parallel it today you know what i mean like i don't know what original movie has come out in the past like 10 years where i was like that's that's really cool. We should go rewatch that because I mean, it made me feel. There are examples, know. but I, I know what you're saying. Sure. As far as yeah. like a studio funding these things, yes, it's in rarer yes. supply for major mainstream films. It's stuff that you'll find on Netflix or the various streaming services, or in you know in the independent markets. Um, capturing this kind of irreverence, also yes, that's more of a rarity because that falls into certain categories that just aren't going to get that kind of support that they would have used to back in the day. Totally. To I yeah. mean to to piggyback off that point, Abe. I mean. I'm not necessarily saying it's better, but there is something more admirable about Bill and Ted face the music over Star Wars: The Force Awakens, as far as no, I hear you. What right, we're yeah, what right. we're going I, for I think, in times I think we're of, all in agreement about that. I, what we're going for yeah. as far as the story and how we've evolved versus what we're looking back to and what we're reusing again to make a story. Mm-hmm. I uh, there's like so many directions I want to go here, and I know we can't have all those those discussions um but this this makes me think a lot about well what do i want to watch at home and what do i want to watch in the theater especially since the 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 context of going to see a movie is feels like it's forever changed now um so we're talking at the top of the hour about tenant and that's the kind of film i i so want to see in the theater you know, filmed in the IMAX ratio, I want to see it on the biggest screen possible, all of that kind of stuff. But Bill and Ted, this is something I'm super happy to pay 20, 25 bucks, watch at home, mm-hmm. and to support more stuff like this. Um, I don't have to see this in the theater, although I did miss the experience of of laughing along with an audience. Like sure. that that was yeah. like it was me and my wife giggling, which is very different than if I saw this um, in a full pack theater with a bunch of fans like opening night. So um, I don't know. I think this is a really interesting experiment. And if it allows for the creation of more uh, lower budget, um, more um, creatively taking risks kind of movies um, that aren't the, the tentpole blockbuster franchise films that cannot fail then that would be cool. I'd like to see more stuff like this. I'll add this. I mean, as far as... I'm always going to love going to the movie theater. Like, that's a great format for me. Like, and I'm I'm not trying to take away from that. But as far as, like, having... Something I like keeping in mind is it's not like we grew up seeing certain movies that we, you know, love from our childhood, like the ones we just mentioned, Back to the Future, whatever, in theaters. We saw them at home, either by ourselves or with our family. And that's what this is essentially doing. Um, So if you're if you're creating a certain environment where you can watch movies at a young age, not every you know kids aren't going to see the classics in theaters generally. They're going to see them at home, like on a regular TV. It helps that we have just great TVs now, so like this experience right. is better. Like if I saw Back to the Future for the first time on a you know a Blu-ray disc on my 42, 45, whatever the fuck I have inch TV, like, it, um, <laughs> like that's a that's probably a, a more winning experience. But at the same time, it's not like me as a movie lover has been affected by the fact that I didn't get to see certain classics in the theater, right? Absolutely, sure. Um, Aaron, you remind me of the uh, the trailer for Star Wars Special Edition for uh-huh. an entire generation. 
People have witnessed Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. the only way possible, on the TV screen. <laughs> if you've seen it like this, you've never seen it at all. And Just then the X-Wing blasts out of the TV. Yes. And I completely remember that because I was a huge Star Wars fan before I saw them in theaters. And so it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to see it in movie theaters now. But yeah, that trailer was certainly a – that was a fun touch as far as how to get people to see – as if they needed an excuse to see Star Wars in a movie theater. It's like, what if the TV blew up and it was here? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But you're totally right. Like I, I experienced Star Wars on, uh, you know, my piece of crap home, yeah. like uh, '80s TV screen, um, and I fell in love with that series. So, yeah, you you don't need to see a movie in the theater to really fall in love with it. But, um, but yeah, there, there's something about that communal experience that um, that that place is always going to be there. But I I do wonder what it's going to be like in a in a world where you can ha- in a world where Bill and Ted. <laughs> can be hopefully a financial success and be released in this um, with some theatrical release. Although the closest it, it, theater to me was like 400 miles away in Nevada that was uh, playing this, but it, it is this, this, this blend. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that it, it is currently available in theaters where available. It's obviously at drive-ins as well. In addition to being PVOD, although I do give props to Orion pictures for, sacrificing you know what they could have done as far as being purely theaters and saying no we'll do a premium vod we we know we know the situation we want to give people the option um and then they went for it and and the movie is a it's the top of all the vod charts i don't have all the numbers but i mean it's certainly it is successful in its own right as far as the attention it has and what it's achieved so far and the fact that i mean when I watched it, I watched the movie on Tuesday, and I was like, I really like that. Am I going to be, like, the crazy person? Because I thought the trailers were terrible. And I'm like, no, it's movies, like, certified fresh. It has a lot of people that really like it. So it's oh, not, really? Okay. Yeah, so we're not, like, alone in the fact that we have lots of good things to say about this, which, uh, for one thing, made me feel not crazy. But I was also like, okay, good. This was, like, this worked. We did yeah. this thing, <laughs> and it happened. <laughs> I have been on Rotten Tomatoes since COVID started. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's wild to be there now because it's it? all about yeah it's like here's some cool stuff on Netflix you might have missed. Oh, they, they actually like just changed the the way they're the kind they're... of. I mean, okay, you can look yeah. through it, you can see. I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm there Not every week, Abe. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I mean, for, my, my thoughts on my thoughts on David Copperfield are right there on Rotten Tomatoes. You can find him. <laughs> I mean, I want to watch it myself. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be I'd be really happy to talk to you about it if it was available outside of theaters right now. <laughs> yeah, we should totally watch that documentary about David Copperfield doing magic in Las Vegas. Exactly, that's the one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh, I think anyway. we talked a lot about Bill yes. and Ted Face the Music. A lot of insightful thoughts, I feel. Um. But when should people go and see this movie? As we've said, it's in theaters and available on premium VOD. Yeah. Ali, when should people see this movie? If you have any interest in this series, if you have any love of the series, just um, just watch it now. Um, you're probably going to be waiting a while for it to be non-paid VOD. Right. Uh, so watch it now. You know you're not doing anything else besides watching stuff on on TV. So just just watch it. Have fun. Enjoy it. Yeah, and on our old scale, I would have said that this is probably like a dollar theater where. Um, you should still see it in theaters. Still, still help support. Like not that you have to like rush out and see it, but I think on our scale, it's not. I guess it'd be like a fourteen ninety nine purchase rather than like a nineteen ninety nine purchase. If that also makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I I agree for both part of what you're both saying. I mean, as far as if you're a Bill and Ted fan or you just want 
something that's like fun without having anything to kind of put you down or cause any stress. I mean, this is the movie. Like it, it does the job. I, I, I was very surprised at how much yeah. I enjoyed this movie, but I was very happy that it just made me feel good. Like that's yeah, yeah. Or, and, and if, without, if without without being like an inspirational drama, it's just a good natured comedy that made me feel good. Yeah, and if you yeah. remember at the running time, they give you a running clock throughout the entire movie. So oh yeah, you're fine. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's so true. Minutes to do this, <laughs> which it does you, stay in line with. I mean, that's the yeah. thing too. Like once it kicks off a time limit, the movie lasts the rest of that limit. So. You know, we didn't talk about that too much, but the movie is pretty well paced. I, I would have actually liked a little bit more but it it just breezes through which i think helps its accessibility my my wife hasn't seen any of the bill and ted's and we just sat down i'm like all right i guess we're doing this you're gonna watch it without knowing anything about these characters but she was giggling along and because it was only 90 minutes i think that it made it very tolerable for her to experience well you could well, for one thing, you could just watch. You can have her watch the other movies, or you could probably find like on YouTube, like things you need to know about Bill Ted. <laughs> I did. She passively watched that video. I played one of those for her, and she kind of passively watched it while she was doing her email. She was like, "Okay, I'll watch this. It sounds fun." Yeah. Phone booth, She's Circle like, K, got it. Is... <laughs> right, right, Circle K. She loved the Circle B- K bit uh, for whatever. Why reason. is Bill already a lawyer if he's only in high school? Like, it's just his. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, so yeah, Bill and Ted's available now, and we all had a lot of good things to say about it. Let's move on. Let's get to our Out Now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and then they gave us a question that we could answer. Abe, why don't you kick this one off? First question is, Bill and Ted are back. What are some great films featuring the return of classic characters? Justin writes, not a film, but Cobra Kai. Uh, which was on oh, YouTube. Yes. And, and now it's, it's on Netflix. Now on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So making that Netflix money. Um, from Legacy, Blade Runner 2049, and with the new Lion King count, I would say maybe not because that's that's like a rehashing of the same movie, right? It's yeah. not a return. You'd have to talk about like Lion King Part 2. <laughs> I mean, James Earl Jones came back. So, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, did he ever leave? Did oh, Mufasa ever leave us? Great Aaron. question. He's always watching. He's always watching. Remember. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that I, they? Uh, do you think that he actually originally sang "Remember Me," but then they just had to cut it off for time? <laughs> it would have been such a different version. <laughs> remember, I, I, remember. <laughs> I just look forward to when it rains because I know that's when James Earl Jones is looking at me. <laughs> oh, creepy. <laughs> um, and then Tyler writes, D- not Dumb and Dumber 2, T O. Mm. Uh, so thank you. Yeah, because that's not a good movie. Re- films featuring the return of classic characters. I mean, Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an obvious one for me. Um, Pretty good. I mean, I mean, we got back Paris. We got back Han Solo and. Princess Leia and Luke Sky- General Leia and Luke Skywalker. Like I'm happy, you know, that we got those characters back. Like I, yeah. I really, I, I liked what they were doing. Despite those in in the sequel trilogy. Right. Uh, Cobra Kai's films. great pick. Um, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed that series. Um, this might be a, a oldie, but um, 2009 Star Trek with Leonard Nimoy returning as Spock. Um, I really loved his performance and what he did to kind of link those franchises together. I think that was a, a really well done. Indeed. Uh, Rocky in Creed. Oh, great pick. Yes. Oh yeah. 
I was thinking about the Sunshine and Rainbow scene, but that's Rocky Six. Yeah. I mean, he came back then too. I mean, that was another, that was what 15 years since Rocky Six, Rocky Five came out. So like, yeah. I mean, if Rocky's coming back, I'm gonna be excited, guys. Let me. He tell fought you. a video game way. in that one. That's right, he did. And he tied. Or and something. he, yeah, I was like, and he like <laughs> went away pretty good. He he was he he was he he kept his hat on. Put it that way. <laughs> Just like Mark Rylance. He wears that hat. Ooh, that's a good matchup between who wore that, who wore it better. Well, I mean, they were up for this. They were up for the same Oscar that year, so it's a rematch. Oh no! So I guess we know who the winner is. Yeah. All anyway, right, next, next question we have here: What's your favorite depiction of death in movies? Justin has Bill and Ted's Whoa. Bogus Journey, Meet Joe Black, and The Book of Life. Callum has William Sadler in Bogus Journey. Scott writes Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men. That's Thanks. a wonderful pick. Yes. Uh, wow. Wow. Chris Chris writes uh, Monty Python and the Meaning of Life, which I remember being a very dark depiction for a Monty Python movie. I remember it being like <laughs> yeah. very dark. <laughs> um, and Alana writes Frederick Mark in Death Takes a Holiday, mm. not Brad Pitt in Meet Joe Black. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just trying to find out what love is. Um, favorite depictions of death in movies. I mean, Javier Bardem is a great pick. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll mention that. I mean, that we talked about it with Bill, Bill Sadler, but the, the version of death in the Seventh Seal is a more playful than people might realize. The Seventh Seal is a very watchable movie, guys. <laughs> like, I mean, like if you say Ingmar Bergman, they're like, oh, this is a chore. It's like those movies are there's a, there's some fun wryness to a lot of those movies, including the Seventh Seal, which is a very meditative film about death to begin with. Mm hmm. Other Grim Reapers, or I guess Devils. Mm, I mean, you know, uh, Al Pacino in every movie that he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Give me all you got. Uh, no, but he does. He, he, I think he plays it in in uh, Devil's Advocate. For, Devil's Advocate, yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well. If if you think of something, Ali, just shut it out. So, uh, uh, I mean, um, for some reason, maybe it's because you said "remember me," but I was thinking of Coco, which made me think of um, the video game Grim Fandango. The wow, great yeah, Luke, yeah, okay. Grim Fandango. <laughs> I get that from the character design. I can see where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, so that's that's where my head is floating around right I now. I dig that there's a game that you remember from like the. Uh, time back when we were kids um uh, okay uh the question the next question is what are some movies with great guest appearances by musical stars um luke has coolio uh leprechaun in the hood because it's just <laughs> hey it's coolio and there he is and that's it chris has tom jones and mars attacks and dave grohl and the muppets those are good dave grohl is what i mean there's a relevant movie that Dave Grohl's just in that we didn't talk yeah. about. But, I mean, Dave Grohl tends to be pretty fun in movies. Like, Tenacious D, he's in that movie. That's pretty fun. Um, is Co Here's a stupid question, Dave. Is Coolio in the Good Burger movie? I don't think... <laughs> like, he's... Because well... he does... He helped with the theme song for Kenan and Kel... And he's yeah, in, like, I think, think a music like, video for Good Burger, but is he in the movie Good Burger? Yeah, because I was like, is he in the beginning? But that's Sinbad. And then I don't think that he shows up as like a guest in the restaurant, so I don't think so. If we're wrong, please write in the comments. I mean, this does. Let me let me emphasize. This does not matter. I'm just really curious. <laughs> <laughs> I know George Clinton is in the Good Burger movie because he's like in the mental hospital and he's 
yeah. singing the song, and it's really funny. Uh, basically, uh, Good Burger is a good movie. Let me just put good, that out there. Good Burger is very fun, and I, I revisit every so often. Uh, it was on Netflix like a few months ago or something like that, and I rewatched it, and then I'll just go out and have a hamburger uh, and call it a Good Burger. <laughs> not a not but, a Mondo Burger, though. Those are bad. No, not – forget those Mondo Burger guys and like their cool space uniforms. Um, but I, I will say um, for this question here um, – Popstar. There's a lot of great musical guest appearances in, oh, yeah. in that movie. Usher. That like that the 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 style boys is why he dances in that. Is that <laughs> <laughs> uh, Other musician cameo. Wasn't uh, Ice Cube has been in a bunch of stuff, right? Well, he's a yeah, he's a, he's an actor. <laughs> right, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would help. Actor or as a as like a as a as a like as a guest appearance yeah, as himself. Like Boys in the Hood, is that does that sound right? Yeah, he's he's the he's the he, co- he is he's, he's acting he's, in that movie. He's the co-lead in that movie. It's him, Cuba yeah. Gooding Jr. and uh, Morris uh, Morris Chestnut. Yeah. Yeah. It was on TV the other day, so I was just watching it. So I'm like, yeah, he's yeah. Dope. Has he's he all over it. Formed in any movie? Are you Is talking about Ice Cube? Yeah. I yes, he's been in movies for years. No, no, but no, no, no. I mean, like, as, as, a, as an artist. Oh, like, like okay, like like rapped in a movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I'm know. not gonna say no, but it does seem like he tends to not do that. He tends right. to just be the actor in a movie. Right. I was like, I think the only time in which I mean, he might have been on the soundtrack for Twenty One Jump Street, well, but he also acted. Yeah, See, but he also I, acted in that movie. So I don't know where I, don't, I can't think of like an example of where he has just played himself. Uh, right. As, so I, as a cameo, I think he's he's done like the soundtrack to films that yeah. he's acted in, but I don't think he's performed the music that he has created like within the movie. Yeah, just, glan- just glancing at his filmography, there's no movie here that I see where he's like, he's he's acting as a person that sings in his movies. Right, like he's, right. He's right. always he's always act. He's I think he's he's con- he's very specifically separated the careers as far as what he's doing. Right, right, right. And you know, good on him. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, let's see, David Bowie and Zoolander. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I dig it. <laughs> Alanis Morissette is God. I mean, Dogma. Lenny Kravitz also in Zoolander, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's a few, Alana, baby. Yeah, that's a great one as Alanis Morissette. Yeah, that's a good pick. I like oh, her. Oh, I like oh, her oh. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Jack White in Walk Hard as as Elvis. Um, that makes me laugh <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, back to Alanis Morissette, I just like how she says, like, boop, when she, uh, when when the question of what what's the meaning of all this. Yeah. Billy Idol, you know, the wedding singer. Oh, yes. <laughs> Where they beat movie. up, they beat up, uh, what's his face? Where they stop Glenn Gulia from, uh... <laughs> <laughs> what a name. Remember, when right. it was, remember it was fun to recap Adam Seattle movies? Julia like... Gulia. <laughs> Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper in Wayne's World. There we go. There's another one. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Which is also of that era, that kind of, like, the descendants of Bill and Ted. For sure. Yeah. We would never sell out, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's the next question here? What are great movies featuring twisted alternative realities? Mm. Todd writes, Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Mm. Well, there go my answers. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll add him back to the future part too. I mean, ultimate. There you go. Yeah. Totally. totally. <sighs> it's all... a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing time travel movie. Oh yeah, I love it so much. <laughs> when he hops into that refrigerator to go back in time, oh boy, oh boy. Oof. I mean, it's lead lined, so he can survive a nuclear attack as well. Um, I will also add in Bedazzled uh, with um, Brendan Fraser. And Brendan Curry. Fraser, thank you. Yeah, that's a movie I saw in theaters, and I've never thought about since. But I'm aware people like that movie. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just more of uh, the seven different realities that he has. Yeah, there's a lot of there's some fun in there. He's yeah. Lincoln at one point. That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> George of the Jungle plays Abraham Lincoln? What? Yeah. Um, all right. Well, the question that uh, is asked to us this week is, is there a legacy sequel to a cult property you want to see? Oh, man. Mm. It's not Beetlejuice 2. Let me tell you that right now. Right. A legacy sequel to a property I want to see. Huh. Well, okay, I'll I I I'll bang this drum forever. I'm a huge fan of Denzel Washington in Devil in a Blue Dress, which is based off a series of books involving the character Easy Rollins. So if they're ever like, hey Denzel, do you want to return to play the character of Easy Rollins again? Yes, very much so. I'd be happy to see that. Do it right mm-hmm. now. I'll take that over Equalizer Three, please, and thank you. Yeah, I mean. More recently as well, um, Carl Urban's Dread. Oh, yeah. Of course I want to see a sequel to that. Like, that was kind of like an underseen movie um, when it came out. That's 2012 at this point, so it would be a legacy sequel. (laughs) Wow, 2012? Yes. Oh, my god. It's the same year as The Raid. Anyway. This is a hard one for me because I've I've seen sequels to most of the stuff I love, and they tend to suck. Um Like, uh, as a big sci-fi fan, I've seen a ton of Alien sequels. I, I, I saw the Independence Day sequel, you know, yeah, a, a lot of the... that movie. Yeah, they did. Um, I, I would say the one that I I love, and they're probably never going to make a sequel to it, would be District 9. Um, oh, yeah. Just because I, I want to see more of... Um, I just want to see what happens next. I be, I mean, at this point, given that... Uh, Neil Blomkamp has somewhat struck out by making yeah. Elysium, which is what was not the most well received, and um, mm-hmm. Chappie, which um, yes. by the way, by the way, that's Chappie. Um, he likes to paint. Uh, I mean, if he if he was like, all right, let me go back to the well and follow up the story of of Vickers van der Werfe, uh, I'd be happy to see that, and it feel like they could address that pretty easily as far as. Ten years later, what's gone on with the world? Yeah, an yeah. alien returns and like they want to turn Wicked's back or whatever. Like, what what, did, lot, what was the time frame I... which they named in the movie? Which is like the alien says I'll be back in in three years or six years. Something, I can't remember. I mean, something along those something. lines. Yeah. yeah okay. Offhand, I don't know right now, but I mean, I I feel like there's a, probably a way to address both the time in between movies right. and the current state of the world. And no, that's a great point. Can, Verb is another metaphor in the way yeah, that the first film totally. as a when when the first film came out and it was a better metaphor for apartheid than the actual movie about apartheid Invictus that came out that year. Uh, <laughs> right. came out the same that came out the same year? Same summer. Wow. I was I it came out first and then District Nine came out and it's like, wow, <laughs> that alien movie was a better apartheid <laughs> film wow. than Invictus was. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, they tried. 
yeah, I'm Clint Eastwood tried. I know. Um, acclaimed filmmaker Clint Eastwood tried, and, and, and the Alien movie won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> or it brings things together. Um, anyway. Avatar. That's an legacy sequel I can't wait to see. Yeah, but I mean, like, isn't he making them? Yes, but I can't wait to see it. I want to see it. It's coming, and, and it's it'll be twelve years. So I'm yeah, ready. they are coming. There's that's right. They yeah. Are um, I mean that'll be something to watch. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> that's that's the that's just where we are nowadays. That'll be something to watch. <laughs> Jimmy Cams can take as long as he wants to. I'm ready. Yeah, what what I love about his movies are they're they're really great experiences in the theater, and so like I'll enjoy the spectacle of it. It's it's bizarre to me that Avatar hasn't had much of uh, a cultural impact, just in terms of pop culture, as as uh, many of his other films have. Um, but just visually, the experience of seeing that in a theater for the first time and seeing that 3D uh, technology—that that was that was pretty amazing. I think I had a bad seat in the IMAX because you know those raindrops and dewdrops looked pretty flat to me. So maybe it was just the angle I was at. I, I would say it's the angle you were at, given how acclaimed the 3D technology was. I know. For that movie. I know. <laughs> it, it did make a huge difference where you sat. I saw it uh, two or three times in the theater, and one of those times was in the front row, at which case I felt like my brain was just really mashed up. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to James Cameron putting technology on the screen, I'm never thinking the problem is James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> what if it was? You know, we can't we can't hold them not accountable. <laughs> I mean, you could you could try to put a mutiny out of the King of the World, but I'm, I'm gonna sit over here. <laughs> I'm really yeah. enjoying. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he's gonna evolve mechs in the next one because that seems to be his the focus of his career and the unifying thing across all James Cameron works is uh, big mech suits. Hmm. That's one of them. Sure. Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was feedback. Oh, uh, feedback. Thanks all the listeners for sending feedback our way. And with that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the show. You can do, bleh. you can find all of my work on my personal blog, the code is Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing at Why So Blue, We Live Entertainment, and Variety. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Moo, and Twitter.com slash Moose. Hashtag Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, where can people find more of you online? I'm at Ali Matu on Twitter and Instagram, and also The Psych Show on YouTube. Very cool. Uh, thank you very much again, Ali, for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me, folks. It was, uh, yeah. it was a ton of fun to, to reconnect with you all. I miss you. miss you guys. Oh, you, you, now I'm blushing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it. Next week, Mulan uh, comes oh, out. So we will what? be talking what? about Mulan, available on premium Disney+. Plus. Oh, man. $30. Uh, but until then, until next time... Be excellent to each other. And party on. Most definitely. Party on. Party on.